ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. The Fumble Dad, 103.3 FM. <laughs> Today's our first day on a new FM frequency. It's 103.3, so it's going to take a while to get used to it. I'm Jason Menix. He's Joe Reinagle. Troy Aikman is joining us here. Hall of Fame quarterback, great announcer, and now the beer maker. Yeah. How about that? It's pretty good stuff, man. It is good stuff. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We just launched today, February 1st. Been working hard for the last couple of years and, you know, couldn't wait to get to this point. And here we are. And it's why I'm in San Antonio now and we'll be traveling around the state of Texas. But I look forward to hearing how everybody thinks of it. And I think they're going to really love it. Well, I think it's great. You know, we, we had an opportunity to sample a little bit of it. But I wanted to ask you, why? Was this something you always wanted to do? Uh, not, not so much. I, I did work at a beer distributorship when I was in college. Okay. And then when I came to Dallas, uh, I became very close friends with a beer distributor there in town and did a lot of stuff with his distributorship, but never in my wildest dreams that I imagined I'd be making beer. But uh, through a mutual friend, I met my now partners, and we started talking about it. And uh, I thought... Hey, if we can make a, a light beer, which is what I drink, and we can do it that it's differently, uh, then I'd be all in. And I think that the space needs something new, something fresh. And so we went down this path, and uh, eight was born. And it, what makes it, you know, we're low calorie, low carb. But what makes eight unique is that we have no adjuncts. We have no fillers, no corn, no rice, no syrups, no sugars. And uh, not, there's no other widely available beer that I know of that can say that. And so I always refer to it as a better-for-you beer. And uh, 100% organic grains. And so if you, uh, you know, I work out, I worry about that, I, I'm mindful of what I put <laughs> in my body, but I also like to have a good time with when the when the moment presents itself, sure. you figure, hey, absolutely, this is something that uh, you don't compromise all that hard work in the process. Now, you you talk about a lot of the uh, when you're developing eight, the natural and the working out light beers, right? Now, you know, some of us work out more than <laughs> yeah, others, right? But but I thanks, but I am a I am a light beer drinker. Yeah, and and I was you know trying to figure out what does this taste like because what I thought you were, what I thought it was going to be and what it is is very different. What did you think it was going to be? I, well, I thought you were chasing like the Ultra Crowd or, or Miller Lite. Miller Lite's my beer of choice. I kind of thought it was more like a Yingling Flight, which I think is a great beer too. Light again, light beer. Yeah, I. Uh, so the beer distributorship that I worked at was a Miller distributorship. Uh, I have been a light beer drinker, uh, but I felt that uh, for the reasons that we made it. And doing it in a way that I think is unique and different than all the other beers that are available, I also think our, our beer tastes really good. You know, I don't think we sacrifice taste. And so that was important to me. And I feel good with what we came up with. And, and the response from everyone who has tried it has been overwhelmingly positive. And I know when we went around and we met with a lot of distributors and told them what we were planning to do and whether or not they wanted to get on board, uh, they were as enthusiastic, if not more enthusiastic, than we were, and that only got me more and more excited. So we've had a lot of good things uh, go our way, and, and the retailers that, were, that are going to be carrying it 
the interest has excited them, and uh, they've placed quite a bit of orders. So we're looking forward to that part of it. I got to tell you, the can is pretty cool too. Yeah. Uh, did you have something to do with that design? Because I did. there's one guy at a radio station that always has that on his trophy case. Oh yeah. Right, Rob Thompson. Yeah, I love he's got it. it on his trophy case I love already. It. Is this yeah. Rob here. That's yeah, that's Rob. Rob. Right there. Yeah. Rob, he, he didn't want my man. We need more guys like Rob. <laughs> he, he, well, he, he didn't want to drink it. He, he just wanted to save <laughs> it for yeah. a souvenir. I drink put it. it I'll empty. get you another one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll just, we'll just keep replacing it. But but I love the can. I yeah. do love the can. And, you know, we went through the whole exercise. People would now, it seems like whenever you come up with a name, then it just seems like, well, how could you have ever named it anything other than that? But we went through the exercise. We kept coming back to eight. To eight. We talked to a lot of other people. They thought it was a no-brainer, had to be eight. So then when we began the packaging side of it, uh, I thought the agency that we used that came up with what we ultimately have I thought it was genius. You know, the, the 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 logo is a colon, but on a white can, it looks like an eight. Mm-hmm. And I explain that because it's amazing. Some people just see the colon, and then others, when you explain, they go, yeah, of course, there's an eight. Yeah. You know, I get that. But some people don't see the eight initially. So I, I try to remind people in case they haven't. But I, I love the, the design. I love the packaging. I think it's simple and clean, uh, much like the beer itself. And, and it's it's going to be only available in texas originally which yep. which is uh you know brilliant on your part small dominate texas and then go out everybody has asked me since we got a chance to uh sample it ahead of time a week ago when we put it on socials when is it going to be available well it is available today it's starting available today. starting today yes it's it is only available on premise currently okay and as i was saying the distributors got it today so it'll probably be more like wednesday thursday maybe friday before some people are able to to actually get it as these distributors get it out to the proper places but it will be available on premise uh in select restaurants and bars and then once the stores do their resets we'll have it um in in the stores heb kroger uh, a number of places where you can walk in buy a six pack buy a 12 pack and be on your way all right, we got to talk a little football, if you don't mind, yeah. because you guys uh, on the, the, the Rams-49ers game, the most interesting thing that, that I got, fourth quarter, I think the Rams had just tied the ball game up, and you said they were stopping the running game. Right. So it goes to Garoppolo's hands, and you were a little nervous about that as far as they were concerned, and you were right. Well, I... I... I wasn't nervous, and and my comments, I hope, I have seen that. I think some people maybe took that as though I was saying, oh, boy, now it's on Garoppolo. And that was not not my feelings at all. And and, uh, I I would apologize to Jimmy if, if that's what people thought my intentions were. I think a lot of Jimmy. And we all know that he's been up and down. But we had him week 18 when they were in that same situation mm-hmm. against the Rams. They, they needed a touchdown to tie it, and he took him right down the field and right. he did it. The way I said it, which I guess I wish I could go back and change it, it was only that they weren't running the ball well, and it was all going to be on Jimmy, you know, to where they weren't going to be able to mix it up and, and do those things. I actually expected him to have a better series in that moment than what he had or what the team had. But I'm a big fan of Jimmy's, the way he handled everything with Trey Lance coming in. I mean, it says a lot about how he was raised. It says a lot about the kind of person he is. Not many people would handle it that well. Um, But, uh, yeah, I was happy for Stafford as well. He grew up in my backyard uh, there in Highland Park in Dallas. He won a state title for them. A lot of pressure on him. 
obviously from the time he went to the Rams and for him to be now playing in the Super Bowl, which is what the expectation was, uh, he's met every expectation. I'm really proud of him. Hall of Famer Troy Aikman joining us here on the Blitz. And, you know, Hall of Fame career, you're the best analyst in, in the NFL. You're, regardless, everybody says that, right? And I think we all believe that. And you just talk about, I wish I could go back. You're doing a football game live right. in the moment. And, you know, every week there's, you know, oh, Joe Buck hates my team. Or, you know, <laughs> you know Tony Romo, what the hell was he saying here? Yeah. I, uh, can you put in? Aikman's to, an to, idiot. Yeah, yeah, nobody ever says Aikman's an idiot. I, I mean, but but you, you look at it and you go, three hours of a live football game. How difficult of a job that really is? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a fair question. It's gotten harder. I mean, it really has gotten harder. Joe Buck sent me a clip from uh, 20, uh, like 206, 2006, 15 years ago, and it was he and I having some fun in the in in the booth. And and it, and like he said, you know, you no more could do that in today's environment. And there was nothing said that would have been controversial but it it, the the times have changed i think the ability to just have some fun and have some laughs Mm -hmm. you know it's hard to do you're you know people take things the wrong way and then no telling what all might take place but i do know you bring up a good point when we when we are talking uh we're talking in real time i mean we're talking about what we're seeing at the moment and what we're projecting in you know in the future and when when the game gets written about, yeah, it's easy to go back and say, well, he said that this was going right. to happen. Yeah. This was going to happen, and you're like, you know, it's just. But that's that's the nature of it. There are, there are a lot of critics. Um, with all that said, it is a fantastic job. I mean, I love the job. I've been doing it now for 21 years. Joe and I just finished our 20th season together, and uh, I've loved every minute of it. In fact, this year has probably been the most enjoyable year. Uh, that I have had, and I hope to I hope to do it another ten years or so. It's been a lot of fun. Will it still be at Fox? Well, that's uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I I don't know. There's ongoing conversations. It could be at Fox. It could be at Fox and Amazon, and it could be at Amazon. And then a uh, third party just jumped into the fray, and so uh, it's a uh, it's it's a nice position to be in, and and we'll see where it all lands. My hope is that I'm working with Joe Buck, whatever that looks like, because he and I are really great friends. Uh, We shared a lot of experiences together and in our personal lives approximately the same time. He went through a divorce about the same time I was going through a divorce. He's got two young daughters, now not so young. They're out of college. Uh, My two daughters are in college. We both like to spend time together. We travel together in the offseason. And I think that's what viewers hear. I think they I think they hear two friends in the booth and you can't just replicate that with other people and and I have found that there's a lot of partners that just simply they don't get along very well um, and even the ones that do get along they don't really enjoy spending that much time together so Joe and I have something that's really special, and uh, we, we would hate to see that end. Jason says the same thing. Joe and I have something very special. I could tell. You can I tell. Know, I right? could, well, yeah. You realize, Troy, see, that's, yeah. I that, walked in that's going to be tell. a promo <laughs> yeah. where, where Ryan Egg is going to make it sound like you're talking about him. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know, mean, can you say yeah. all the same things just say Jason? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Just even right. it up a little bit. Right. But, you know, Troy, when you, when you say that and you say a uh, third party and Amazon, what is it about the NFL that keeps it so popular? I mean, it is 
head and shoulders above every other professional sport. It really is, and you just wonder how long can that continue. I, I read a book years ago called um, America's Game, and it started about the missteps of baseball. Baseball at one time was America's pastime, and then all of a sudden football surpassed it, and they went through the missteps that allowed football to overtake baseball. One of them was, one of the major ones, was the oversaturation of baseball on television. And I worry about all of the televised games that we have. You got it on Monday, Thursday, Sunday, at times on Saturday. And yet people, there's still a thirst that hasn't been quenched to see NFL football. And so I think what's happened even though I think in some ways the game itself, because the players aren't together as much, you know, you're not able to hit the way you once did. So the way foot, the football you knew and the football I knew is not the same game. But I think what appeals to the public is that these games all come down to the last three or four minutes of the game in the last possession, and that's that's pretty dramatic television. And I think that's been the biggest reason why the game has continued to be so popular. Troy Aikman joining us here on the Blitz, three-time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer from the Dallas Cowboys. What I love, Troy, all your whether you're doing an interview on 1310 up in Dallas or you're doing a game, you're always honest. I need some clarity on some comments you made uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, on 1310, the ticket up there in Dallas, when you talked about if if they were playing that way, Michael Irvin would have had 10 catches at halftime. Yeah, now, that was you, probably a little bit hyperbolic. Well, it's true, probably was five or six. It's a lot more yeah. than what CD had, yeah. right? Is it... Were you directing criticism at Dak Prescott, the quarterback, or no. Kellen Moore in the system, or a little bit of both? Well, neither, really. Quite because honest, it kind of came across yeah. as it could be either. Well, I, I think what happens is when I say something, because my whole comment on that was talking about just the week earlier, we had done the Eagles and Tampa Bay wild card game. Mm-hmm. And I thought the Eagles, they've got Devontae Smith, great player, and they're getting one-on-one, and they wouldn't come out and just throw the ball to him, whether it's a comeback, a curl, a square, you know, whatever it is, you know, that you can run the whole route tree and, and pretty much throw what you want, but they didn't do it. And then Dallas didn't do it on some favorable looks. And I had talked with some people that I really respect, some offensive minds, earlier in the season. And I said, you know, I don't understand why these teams don't take advantage of some of these things more. If they played Michael that way, everyone knew he was going to get the ball. And this coach that I have great respect for was talking about it, and he goes, yeah, it's hard to understand. But more and more of these offenses, that's not what they do. They really want to use their scheme. So it's all about the deep crossers and the shallow crossers and, you know, doing these things up the field, the vertical seams and all those kinds of things. And, And to me... There's a tendency, for, and I don't want to be the old guy who says, "Well, this is the way we did it in the nineties." You know, I already am, right? You know, hey, this is the way we did it in the nineties, but it's still, you know, it's still pretty effective if you just do it. I'm screaming at my TV. That DB is barely well, on the screen. Throwing the ball, and, and that's why I just said. So in my comments, I said, you know, look, I saw this last week with the Eagles. They didn't do it, and I saw it this week with Dallas. 
that they didn't do it, and more and more teams just aren't throwing those kinds of things. And I don't really understand it because if Michael had been covered that way, he would have caught ten passes. And then it went like it was a shot at the Cowboys, and it, and it was it, it was not at all. It was just a broad statement about the way that the league is being played right now. Okay, I, well I have to ask you this, and nobody will hear what I just said. Oh, they'll 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 stick right. to yeah. You know that's okay. Yeah, Travis Kelsey. It was a game-winning touchdown. I think it was a game before this one. He said, I didn't care what the play was. I was going to run this route. Yeah. How many times did you and Mike Lurvin just say, hey, go to the mailbox and turn right? I uh, mean, was that ever, did that ever happen? Not, not a lot. Occasionally when the game, well, a little bit similar to that. Like if the game's really on the line and you just know that they're going to play him a certain way and you're not going to be able to run a typical route. You know, there were times when you'd say, hey, Mike, just try this and then, you know, know that the ball's going to be up and just go up and make a play on it. But we weren't, you know, Kansas City seems to do a lot of that. They they seem to kind of draw it up in the dirt a lot. Uh, But uh, we were a little bit more regimented in in what we did. And and I think that's another part of it. I think the, the quarterbacks have more control. They definitely have more of an impact on the game itself, but I also think they have more control over what's being called and how they're doing things at the line of scrimmage. Did Norv or Jimmy ever get mad at you when you disregarded a play? Uh, no. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> got mad one time because he he wanted me to take a knee at the end of a game to in the victory formation because we were going to run out the clock. The problem was taking a knee was not going to run out the clock. We were going to have to punt. And so he called to take the knee. I didn't. I turned and handed it off. He was livid, and he's yelling on the sidelines, I said, take a knee. He's yelling, you know. And so, okay, we took a knee, and then it's fourth down. We got a punt. You know, we didn't run out the clock. And and you talk about looking really foolish. You're telling me Jimmy had clock management issues? At times. At at times. At times. He's my boy. Uh you know the Hall of Famer, but uh-huh. uh, at, yeah. ti- at times there was there was some questionable stuff. The criticism that Mike McCarthy gets is it fair? Um, probably not. I, I uh, you know, I was asked also on that same interview you're referring to about, you know, what would be my grade for Mike McCarthy, and I love Mike McCarthy. I he, I consider him a friend. I think he's a great coach. But when when a team is expected to get to the Super Bowl and you don't win a playoff game, I said I'd probably give him a C. You know, and it wasn't, it was just me saying, yeah, that's probably how most people would view it. And I also said, and this is the way I felt as a player, if no matter how good, once you're a team that the only measurement of success is winning the Super Bowl or getting to the Super Bowl, then if you don't even win a playoff game, you're really no different than those teams that never even made the playoffs. It's, it's a huge disappointment. And so I made that comment, and then that got like that was intended to be a shot, and that that was not that was not intended to be a shot at the Cowboys at all. It's the way I always felt. It's it's a it's a terrible feeling. In fact, I would argue that the Cowboys felt worse about their season than the Jets and the Jaguars did about their season because they were never going to make it into the postseason. You know, what are the players feeling like right now as they anticipate that Super Bowl? Uh, well, a lot of excitement. You know, there are players for the Rams that were there a few years ago, so they have at least uh, a memory bank on what that experience was like. But for Matthew Stafford, this has got to be magical for him. I remember we talked to him back in September, 
And I said, what's it like being with the Rams? He said, you know, this is how I always envisioned the NFL being. And I thought it was such a great comment, you know, to have spent all those years. And he loved Detroit, and he really hoped that he could put them over the edge. But to have not won a playoff game, to not really have many winning seasons and get to the postseason. And I remember he said that in September. I can only imagine how excited he is now when you think, gosh, this is what I always imagined the NFL being. And for Joe Burrow and that that team, I know what that feeling's like when you haven't won in a while. And then when you finally do, it happened to us in 91. It's magical. It's magical for the players. It's magical for the fans. You know, everyone's a Bengals fan. It's it. It'll never get better than it is right now in Cincinnati. And so, one of these quarterbacks in their first Super Bowl is going to come out and be a Super Bowl winner. And it's a, uh, it's something that is a uh, is a legacy game and one you'll never forget. You know, I think about. Uh, question: Daryl Johnston is on with us every Monday. We call it oh, Mondays with the Moose. Yeah, we yeah. we we have we have a lot of fun with Moose every week, right? Yeah, he's awesome. He is, and he he was very excited to send him the beer. Uh, yeah. He sent me a picture of the the beer pack, although it was four, and he thought, well, if it's called eight, why do I only get four beers? <laughs> but you know that, that that's beside the point. But well, but tell I, him he's going to have to buy some. Well, there there you <laughs> go. Is. I don't think he wants to do that. I knew four would just be a little teaser for him. (laughs) He he spent a lot uh, when he was with the Alliance, and I really got to know him a lot. uh, You know, down here when he was with the Alliance. Um, But I, you know, I I asked him yesterday, "Who's got the experience?" Because so many Rams were just in the Super Bowl or this young Cincinnati team, and he said, "If it was about experience, the Bills would have beat us that first year." You know, we were the youngest team coming in. Is that kind of the mindset coming in where you where you're thinking about who you're going to pick in this Super Bowl, or does the experience? matter to you a little bit more uh i don't i don't i don't pay much attention to experience for that very reason i I agree with daryl on that that uh we were the youngest team in football we had nobody really who had made it i don't know if we had any players that had made it to us well we had uh charles haley but he might have been the only one who had ever played in the super bowl uh the bills obviously were playing in their third consecutive so uh i it really just comes down to who's going to be able to play uh air-free football, flawless football when it matters most, or play their best football. And I think Jimmy that week did a great job of getting us prepared. I thought his messaging with the team, you know, clock management may not have been the best, but the way he talked to the team during the week was phenomenal. And uh, we, we went in we went in really confident, you know. And uh, his best speech, I'll tell you real quick, was we were in a team meeting on Wednesday of that week, he laid a two-by-four across the floor, and he says, how many of you guys think you could walk across this two-by-four? And he goes, show of hands. Everybody raises their hand. He goes, okay, now I want you to envision we're going to put it up between two skyscrapers, and you're going to walk this board. And how many? And I want you to imagine how high you are off the ground and the dangers if you were to fall off, but how many people now think they can walk across that two-by-four? And people are like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure. It was kind of like one of those. And uh, and his whole deal was that it's the same two-by-four, the degree of difficulty is still the same, and that the game that we were about to play, even though 180 million people were going to be watching it, uh, it was still the game of football that we'd been playing at a high level all season long. And uh, it really struck a chord with everybody, and, uh, and we were able to do that. So uh, experience in playoffs, I think the one thing in a Super Bowl, like Tom Brady, I always used to think that nobody's played in enough Super Bowls to really get a, accustomed to what that feeling's like. Tom has. <laughs> Tom has played nine of them. 
But uh, but the one thing you do have if you've played in it is you know how your body is going to respond. I mean, you know the emotion, and and because it can be it can be debilitating if if you let it, you know, because it, you're on a big stage. How do you handle that? Especially if you're the one handling the ball. Uh, I think that's the advantage those guys have. But once the ball snapped. Um, I don't think experience matters. Troy Aikman joining us here on the Blitz. The new beer, 8, is out today officially. It'll start getting to the uh, bars and premises uh, in the next couple of days, and soon you'll be able to get it at the stores. Congratulations on 8. i got to know, though, because I know you're a Traeger guy. Uh, I'm jealous you've had Matt Pittman actually cooking yes, your house for yes. you. All right, so when you're firing up your Traeger... What, what are you grilling on Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, well, I'm working this Sunday. I'm not working the game, but I will be in L.A. at the stadium uh, for an event that I, I'm contracted to attend. But typically, uh, I do have a party at my house when I'm not calling the game. I, I'm not the one working the Traeger. I hate to admit, <laughs> I hate, I hate to admit, that, I hate to admit that to you. But I'm a rib guy. So yeah. I, could, I, I, I'm not a great cook, but I, and I, and I don't boast about much. But I can make some baby back ribs. And uh, now, Meat Church, mm-hmm. he's on another planet. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he comes in. He's cooked over at my house twice. And it is it is unbelievable how good he is. And he's got all my buddies locked in. I haven't yet made it to Waxahachie. I keep telling him I'm coming. And uh, to see his setup and go through one of his cooking schools. It'd be awesome. Wow. I, I just, I just, how do you get to the point Have where you... Have you met him? I, I've not. Yeah. I, I mean, but, you know... All his products, the way he does his ribs. Between that and there's a company out of Corpus called Gulf Coast Smoke. Those yeah. are the the best rubs out there. Those, those people that cook like that, uh, I haven't been to any of those contests. You know, the rib cook-offs uh-huh. and all that. Um, but I'd like to sometimes because I got my best friend has been my best friend since I was 12 years old. And he can barbecue. He can cook anything. I yeah. mean, he, he's one of those who can cook anything. And I learned a little bit from him. But to be around those guys, they've got their techniques and the way that they do it, and it's to me, it's fascinating. It's a different level. I just want to eat. Level. I'm a great judge yeah, yeah, yes. at barbecue yeah. cook-offs. I'm a great judge. So yep. any, anybody that needs a judge, just I'm call with, me. Call, and call me with Absolutely. I'll go with That's you. It. That's yeah, it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and, and have the eight beer ready to go. Absolutely. We'll do it. will be there. Troy Aikman, appreciate you stopping yeah. by thank and joining you. us here thank on you. The Troy, Blitz. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're yeah. back after this on 103.3 FM and AM 1250.